Hello, what have we here? Welcome to the finale of Mandalorian Mondays on Lando's Lounge. This is uh, the finale, the sad but grand finale. Um, It's been fun (laughs) for several months doing... I can't believe it's over. Well, it's not over yet, but... I mean, <laughs> at the end of the episode, it will yeah, be. Yeah, at but, the end of the episode, it'll be over um, until now. We've been doing these episodes since um, the premiere of season two, which was October, the end of October, I think, so... Yeah, 31st. Uh, sure. It's been quite a bit since we've been doing them. Um, and before that, we had our other series going, so... No idea if we have another series in the works for Mondays, but hopefully we'll be able to get more regular episodes out. Maybe switching the day back to like Friday or something. I don't know. We don't yeah. we don't know, but we will try to get at least one episode out every week. Um but yeah, we're going to take this episode to kind of celebrate the season as a whole. Um we did breakdowns of every episode and we did the yeah, uh, gallery. So uh, we've said quite a lot about the show. Um, this is going to be kind of our look back at the show as a whole rather than um, just like specific um, items. So we're going to um, we have two things set up. We're going to do a, a ranking of our top four episodes because there's eight. So we're going to take the, the, what we think are the, the the top top half of all of the episodes. And we're going to, um, discuss why, why they're, why they're, uh, (laughs) we're going to talk about why those episodes are kind of in our, um, upper echelon of the season and we're also going to do top five aspects or top five moments of the show. It's not like um, specific like scenes or anything like that, but um, just like th- our favorite things about uh, the season, things that it did or um, it could be parts of like a specific scene or whatever. But um, uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to get into those. Uh, which order do you think we should do this in? end with episodes or start with our episode let's go with episodes first yeah all right so we're gonna start with um our top four favorite episodes uh we'll both give our um number four i'll give mine and then explain why you give uh yours and explain why and maybe kind of uh, go back and forth why we put it there rather than um, anything else. So my number four is uh, chapter 11, The Heiress, which is the episode where Bo-Katan is first introduced. And um, I think it was it was uh, definitely in the top half because of just like the inclusion of Bo-Katan and also, um, like, everything about that. Like, being the same actress, uh, being in live action, and um, 
the story of that episode of them kind of fighting their way through this Imperial ship with quite a bit of humor in it as well. And it was just like a really great action episode. Um, but compared to the rest of these on my list, it was very kind of bodily. Um, like it was very self-contained until kind of the end. And it was like, oh, okay, when they bring Bo-Katan back. But until that point, it was very much like like uh, how a lot of people were saying, like, oh, the show is just he hops from planet to planet, does an adventure, and then leaves. Mm-hmm. Which there is an element of that, but that it was kind of... Um, a unique planet to see, and it was cool characters that uh, a lot of people knew and loved from Clone Wars and Rebels, but it was also very kind of um, grounded in and of itself and not really, didn't really rely on all that much before it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a huge, like, built up moment. So uh, that's why I put it in the top four, but also kind of the lower tier in the top four. Okay. Well, my number four was um, The Marshal, which is the first episode of season two. And pro- the, probably the reason... It, I mean, it's very clearly kind of in the upper echelon episodes here. So... But the reason I kind of put it as, like, the my least favorite of the four is because it is just like the first episode. And so it doesn't really, um, I mean, it's a good introduction, but it doesn't really. And it's, I mean, it sets up Boba Fett to return later in the show, but other than that, it doesn't really do too much, um, for the rest of the season. And it's not really supposed to. So, I mean, typically I would put, like, the first of episodes, like, typically the first episodes of things or, like, like the first seasons of things are, like, the worst in part because, like, uh, a lot of times they haven't, like, kind of figured out what it's going mm-hmm. to be yet. And another part is just because it doesn't tie into the whole of the show typically as much as things later on will. So the the fact that this made the top four just being the first episode is, I mean, a testament to just what a great episode it is. Mm-hmm. And it's very different from the rest of the show. Um, I feel like it's the last, like, really Western-y episode. We had, like, a, a lot of that kind of thing in season one. Not so much in season two, except for this one episode, which is literally just like an episode of Bonanza (laughs) um, in Star Wars on Tatooine. So, um, yeah, I really liked it. But the the three I have ahead of it, I just think are better episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, the Marshall was definitely kind of that opener Mm -hmm. solo run. Uh, My my number three is um, another one that was kind of... It was built up to, and it was kind of this big moment, but also it was kind of another really individual episode where, um, I mean, I feel like I'm saying that, and to explain what that means, like, for example, episode the, the last three of season two... 
and then like the first uh the first uh three and the last two of season one were definitely are kind of the opposite of these bottle episodes <laughs> like like those those stretches of like two mm-hmm. or three episodes in a row that are like they're necessary they all tell like one story but then you have like um in season one for example you have three episodes in a row right at the start where you get introduced to mando and he finds the child number two is he um uh tries to take his or take the child back to um the client and then number three is where he does get the child back to the client and then he um decides to save the child instead that's all one story over three episodes but then you have like four five and six which are just like those little bottle episodes and that doesn't mean they're worse it just, it's it's just a like it's less kind of um like it not engaging either like <laughs> it, they, they're really like they're good it's just you know when you're watching those three episodes that like every part of this is leading into and coming directly from the next thing so it feels more connected to it and it doesn't feel like it's just a, it's just a more drift. of an experience yeah oh like, <laughs> so that is uh that's what i mean by bodily episodes they're the ones that are kind of in their own bottle not um, really forward and back. So my that number three, sa- that probably sounded like an earthquake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my number three is the Jedi, which is the Ahsoka episode. It was kind of teased in the Bo-Katan episode. Um, but it wasn't like she went right there and then Ahsoka came back for this. It was kind of, he found Ahsoka and it was kind of basically like a pitch for the Ahsoka show. And then mm-hmm. it was like, all right, now back to your regular, regularly scheduled uh, yeah. Mando viewing. Um, that's kind of why I put it a little bit lower, is it definitely felt like, not gimmicky, but it was like its own thing. Like, you knew that it was like, this episode is the Ahsoka episode. It's not like, um, it's not like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, what I mean. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but it's definitely like its own little thing that, is kind of off to the side uh, of the overall story. But I really love the cinematography. I really love the set design and everything that made it look very Kurosawa, very samurai-y. I couldn't get enough of that. Uh, In our episode for this, that was my favorite part of this episode, was just the look of it. And I think um, just allowing Dave Filoni to like write and direct the episode and then revealing later that he's also kind of taking creative control of the Ahsoka show, definitely put it in that kind of top tier of hype. Like it was, it was very exciting to watch. Um, and just overall really good stuff. Yeah. My, um, number three episode is the believer, which is the, the second to last episode of the season. And, let me t- when I when I first watched it, I was very surprised by what it was. Like I was like, really? Like this is the second to last episode of the season instead of like, kind of like hitting a two part kind of climactic mm-hmm. episode. Um, we return to Mayfeld, which was who was a side character in one episode of season one, and I was like, I mean, it's cool that they're bringing him back. Um, they mentioned him in the. 
um, the very end of the episode before this one. And so I was like, okay, uh, I bet like the first five minutes will be like a little thing about them getting Mayfeld and then they'll go on and they'll track Gideon's ship. And by the end of the episode, they'll be on Gideon's ship and then like a big twist will happen. And then the next episode will be exploring that. But no, the whole episode was with Mayfeld. And I was like, wow, like the more, the longer he was on screen, the more I was like, wow, they're really, they're really going for it. Like (laughs) it's not going to be a two part kind of thing, but I really liked it. Um, I think it like, (laughs) I'm just amazed that they took Mayfeld in, who's like a bad guy as well from like in one side episode of season one and like kind of rounded him out a bit more, like brought him back and, I don't like they didn't have to do that, but it just felt it was very satisfying for some reason. And also like it, um, I think the main focus is kind of um, about like the big moment when Mando takes off his helmet to uh, scan at the Imperial Terminal or whatever. Um, There's a lot of character around Mando and like his beliefs and what he holds as important. And then a lot about... um, kind of the empire and their beliefs and the fact that people within the empire don't necessarily have all the same beliefs. Um, it was just like, it was just very compelling themes as a person who enjoys the finer arts of cinema (laughs) and literature. I, uh, I enjoyed kind of like, uh, more, uh, a deeper dive, not into just action, which there was plenty of that as well, but like, motivation and um why characters do what they do I mm-hmm. guess. yeah i think if i if we did five episodes that definitely would have made my number five um it, it was definitely very different but had a lot of good going for it the seismic charge mm. at the end was definitely say less uh did a lot <laughs> um moving on to my number two uh, my number two is chapter 14, The Tragedy. This is the one where uh, we go to the temple on Tython and we um, get the return, the glorious return of Boba Fett um, and the 19-minute fight scene uh, directed by Robert Rodriguez, which was just a highlight of... 2020 in general, mm-hmm. I think. Um, similar to kind of why I loved the Jedi so much was because um, not only was it just a great episode, but like knowing that it sets up where like the character is going to go and like having Robert Rodriguez involved in the Book of Boba Fett show and seeing his work in this elevates this because you kind of know that um this is this this is what this pairing can be uh for the future and it's great and it um gives you a lot of anticipation for the future but also is just something you can really enjoy right now um i really love kind of how uh just like that shot of slave one just in the Mm -hmm. sky and everyone's just like, Oh boy. And bringing back Fennec Shand. And now she's going to be in 
uh, the Boba Fett show and in Bad Batch. So it just has so much going for it. Um, also the destruction of the Razor Crest and the kidnapping of Grogu. Um, it's just so much happens in this episode, but the majority of it is a fight scene. So it's like you get that huge, long, amazing fight scene. But then in those moments where no one's fighting, there's like so much story happening and it's just really well done. The shortest episode, I think, of the entire show, but maybe the most effective uh, episode they've ever had, uh, except for number one. But <laughs> we'll get there in a bit. Well, from your point of view, maybe. Um, so my my number two episode is The Jedi. And Landon just talked about this, but now it's time for my perspective on it. Um, obviously, as a, as a Clone Wars and Rebels enthusiast, I was um, very excited when everyone's like, ooh, like this next episode is the is directed by Filoni and there's rumors and now it's confirmed that Ahsoka is going to be in it because it's called the Jedi. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And just because of that, I thought I knew what the episode was going to be like before I went into it. Like I thought maybe like the first half would be like him looking for Ahsoka. And then there'd be like some big, like take the hood off reveal <laughs> moment. And she would, I don't know. Like I, that's all I was looking for was that reveal moment of Ahsoka, but it happened probably 35 seconds into the episode. <laughs> and which I think is honestly a good thing because that shifts the emphasis from just being like, look, it, it's Ahsoka to more like, what is Ahsoka going to do? And like, why is she in this story? And I, mm -hmm. I and we later in the episode we find out she's there to very much set up the the epic finale of this season as well as to kind of spin off into her own thing um without her we would have never known grogu's real name uh -huh. which so i owe her i owe her my life for that basically <laughs> um and yeah also i just love seeing um kind of dave filoni uh, kind of proving his mettle, I guess, as a live-action director. Um, because, like you said, probably one of the best things is just, like, kind of the the feel of the episode, the look of the episode. Um, like, I guarantee, like, the first thought in the creative process was, like, well, she's going to have white lightsabers, so let's make the environment very dark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm, like, I'm probably... Yeah, that's probably like the first thing he mm -hmm. really <laughs> had as an idea. Yeah. And uh, it's just very um, fun to look at. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it's just eye candy kind of episode. Um, yeah, I <laughs> and then obviously um, Mando gets the best Gar spear. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, ooh, something's about to go down it's like these little moments where like taken completely out of like if you didn't know anything about like plot at all you'd just be like <laughs> yeah that happened but like since most people can like kind of read into plot structure a lot of times they're like oh <laughs> like that gets you excited mm -hmm. seeing that kind of thing so i just really liked it um let's I, not forget the grand admiral thrawn yeah bomb. yeah yeah <laughs> i totally <laughs> forgot to mention that 
yeah, uh, that got me very excited. Um, yeah, that and the Marshall both made the books feel worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's just like not only do we get Ahsoka, but we know that Grand Admiral Thrawn is somehow going to be involved in the future of Star Wars yeah. television. So yeah, and I know there is like kind of a mixed reception of well, I don't know about that, but. Like, some people didn't think that Rosario Dawson was, like, necessarily, like, the best or, like, very convincing as Ahsoka. Um, and there was something a little a, a little uncanny about it. But the more I watch and the more I, like, see clips or, like, images from on, like, Instagram or, like, scrolling through TikTok or something, the more I'm, like, I've just, it's very much sunk in at this point. To where I'm like, yeah, that's Ahsoka. She's Ahsoka. And she, it was great. So I just really like. It was just a very enjoyable episode. High octane, I'd say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> between the the little lightsaber conflict between her and Din, and then her and uh, the magistrate yeah. Morgan Elspeth, mm-hmm. I think her name is. Yeah. <laughs> so weird that. <laughs> You've remembered that like four times when I've forgotten it mm, so far. Yeah. I, it's just something. I don't know. All right. Uh, so my number one favorite episode of season two, my favorite episode of the whole show so far um, is chapter nine, The Marshal. This is the opening episode of uh, season one. And <laughs> I'm kind of going against my own self because this one is kind of a bottle episode. It's very self-contained. Um, but, like, the scope of it and, um, like, the plot and just the flow of the episode is just, I think, seamless. And, like, they could have released this as a short film with no other Mandalorian anything existing and it would have been like just as perfect as it is. Like it, it stands alone and it is a bottle episode, but it's so like, it feels like just a movie with like an hour long movie is what it feels like. It feels like a Star Wars short film where um, like you don't need to know the beginning of season one. You don't need to know what happens in season two. It works as its own thing and it's so perfect like, it, it's different from, like, The Heiress because, um, like I said, that was kind of bottle-y because it didn't lead into the next episode, like, like as much as, um, like, the last two or three did of season two where you, you see them performing the steps of a plan that they need to do. It's just kind of Mando wandering around and... Um, that kind of thing for that part of the season. But this, it's the start of the episode, so or the season, so it has that kind of nostalgia, if you can call it that, after a year of having no Mando, um, coming back to it, um, and just like, it felt like, yes, we're back. Um, and then going through it, introducing Cobb Vanth, from the books Mm. really was uh, for the book lovers, a huge moment reintroducing Boba Fett, which does uh, pay off again at the end of the, at the end of the uh, season. And just the, even though it's not Boba Fett having just the 
uh, image of Boba Fett armor and Din's armor, like fighting side by side. Um, even though we eventually see that again at the end of the season, to see that the first time, I think Cobb Vanth was maybe the most pumped for a character to be introduced to the show besides the obvious like Luke one, because it was so unexpected and like, well, I don't want to talk too much about Luke because we might mention him uh, a little yeah. bit later, but um, just someone was expected at the end of that episode. Cobb Vanth was not really expected for this episode uh, until he showed up and with the Boba Fett armor, it was just so like nostalgic, like uh, all the references to Tatooine, um, the sand people seeing them, the crate dragon, just like mm. the scope of the episode when um, the crate dragon comes out, emerges from its cave and the aspect ratio changes so that you can literally watch like the black bars at the top, like shrink away that makes the screen bigger. Like from just a filmmaking standpoint, a storytelling standpoint, a star Wars standpoint, it was so perfect as a standalone little, um, hour-long adventure and it was yeah. just it was just i think perfect front to back yeah i that was quite the experience we watched that one you were still at college we used the, their live at the time so thing. we used like a disney plus watch party type yeah. thing and so i was in my room watching it right across the hall is holden's room he was watching it with us and he could hear me reacting <laughs> i think i was a little bit ahead of him he could hear me reacting to the episode from the other room <laughs> and so he was like whenever i would hear oh like two seconds later something crazy would happen so <laughs> yeah um i'm probably after this i'm probably gonna watch through the entire season two i probably should have done that before this episode but i'm in the middle of it i'm yeah i'm most excited probably to re-watch this episode just because like I feel like the back half is still fresh in my mind, but like the first mm -hmm. two episodes, definitely like it's been a while. So yeah, my number one episode and <laughs> we had, we had a very similar list. Yeah. Uh, we only had one episode different, albeit they were in different orders. Um, but my, uh, favorite episode was the tragedy. Um, I mentioned, I said that the the Jedi was high octane. This is high octane. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is, um, oh man, like it was what an experience waking up early earlier than I'm accustomed to being up to, and then like being all groggy, and then immediately like snapping to alertness when well, I see it, Slave One. I'm like, well, oh. <laughs> well, when it said, uh, like chapter what was it? It would have been 14 chapter 14, the tragedy. I think we both kind of sat up and were like, uh Oh, <laughs> we're like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously just the highlight of this episode is, um, Boba and Fennec being brought back into the fold. Um, Boba just brutally just taken down stormtroopers. Um, I'm so glad, like, I was like, uh, like, I don't want Mando and Boba to, like, fight and then, like, <laughs> Mando have to kill Boba. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I don't want to see Boba Fett die, but, like, they did the complete opposite of that and they gave, like, Boba Fett, like, a little bit of a code of honor, kind of. Um, kind of clear up 
his his Mandalorian ancestry, like tie up a little bit of like a little Star Wars question that's been plaguing fans for a while, kind of answering that. And um, the ending, it's it's like, I mean, it's kind of classic Star Wars where like, uh, you know, the big ending where everything's wrong and then the next episode they kind of like bring it back. So um, the Razor Crest is just destroyed, Grogu's stolen. Um, and how much emotion is conveyed Justin Pedro Pascal kind of like pacing in the in the ash in the rubble mm-hmm. of the Razor Crest and like picking up the little ball bearing type thing that Grogu was oh so fond of, and <laughs> oh so fond and um kind of brushing aside some ash and picking up the Beskar spear like I'm like oh boy he's mad now like <laughs> um I wouldn't want to be Moff Gideon right about now and so. Um, the highs were very high. The lows were the lows as in like emotional, Mm. low, not like bad things about the episode. The highs were high. The lows were low. Um, and also just kind of like the mystery that started, um, since Ahsoka mentioned the seeing stone at Tython, now seeing the seeing stone at Tython and now seeing if the seeing stone like what will become of that? Like this mystery about, Oh, who the Jedi is going to be. That was a fun, like two weeks mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with uh, so many theories on the internet kind of made a hundred times um, more excited from this episode. I don't know. It's just such an experience. Um, probably one of the most rewatchable, like you could. Yeah. I mean, just good fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are going to come right back and we are going to talk about our top five aspects of season two. All right. That we, I swear every time we record, we have like, <laughs> we get down to like 10 seconds left in our recording time and we have to stop it and then start a second recording. And we're always like right in the middle of yeah. a thought. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was our top four episodes. We're going to get into our top five aspects of season two. Um, so we picked top five, uh, aspects because we could pick moments, but we already kind of have talked about all of the big moments. Um, so when I mean aspects, I mean like, uh, just like qualities of the show that aren't specific, like events that happened or, uh, anything like that. So, um, some of this maybe we've already touched on, but hopefully we're going to kind of um, explain why these are our favorite out of all of the things that have happened in season two, why these are kind of up there in our favorite uh, things. So uh, again, or actually you can start first. Since you can start first since I went first last time. Okay. So one thing... Uh, I don't have them in any particular order at all. Uh, I know you kind of ordered yours, so I'm just going to go off the cuff. Um, I'll get this out of the way first because I see that we have the same thing and yours is like... Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably just the the context provided for like the Empire and the New Republic. Like in that one episode, giving the Empire like kind of different shades 
not just black and white, you know what I mean? Like, um, seeing someone who we kind of know as a villain from one of the other episodes and then, um, kind of bring him back to, oh, he's actually, like, kind of a sympathetic protagonist and we kind of see, like, the interior of the Empire a bit in a way we haven't really seen too much of before. We hear about, like, this Operation Cinder from, like, Battlefront 2, which I am going to be getting soon. <laughs> um, we hear about, like, like this horrible disaster at Burning Con, um, and just, like, <laughs> like, exactly what... Ever since I saw Solo, and he was, like, in his brief stint as a stormtrooper, he was, like, like, what are we trying to do here? And then he was, like, uh, we're fighting off hostiles. It's, like, it's their planet. We're the hostiles. I was, like, yeah, like, what do Imperials think about, mm -hmm. like, the Empire? And so we kind of get this perspective um, there. And then also we kind of see the New Republic, which is a relatively kind of new development in canon star wars i guess and kind of seeing like how it works and um i'm sure i will know a lot more about what i'm talking about when i read like some of the books pertaining to that but kind of i think it was really funny seeing um uh trapper wolf and carson tava of like like kind of like beat cops almost like making like pulling over people in space like i thought it was pretty <laughs> funny but also, like, the fact that, like, when Carson Tava's talking to um, Cara Dune, he's like, look, like, something's going on. <laughs> um, but not everyone, like, thinks, like, everyone thinks everything's fine. And I'm like, huh, like, that's kind of weird. Like, you just assume after Return of the Jedi, you're like, mm -hmm. well, the Empire's defeated, the Republic, like, the Rebels win, but it's not, it's not so cut and dry. And that's one thing that, season two i i just thought it was really cool for the the world building of this newer era of star wars in general yeah my number five is the new republic popping up uh in several different places all throughout here um you you kind of covered a lot of it um exactly right it's it's great to see them exploring this period and um uh, what I think I'm really hoping the most out of this whole Mandalorian interconnected shows, uh, whatever it's whatever you would call an interconnected web of shows, um, like I'm just hoping that it kind of serves what the Clone Wars did for the prequels for the sequels, kind of giving that. Um, the world building that the sequels lacked kind of explaining, well, who exactly are the first order? Where did they come from? What happened to the new Republic? Like in, in the force awakens, they destroy the Hosnian system, which is where the capital of the new Republic was. And everyone thought it was Coruscant <laughs> and like, mm -hmm. no one got what it was that happened. I don't think. Uh, and then they were like, Oh, well that's the capital of the new Republic. And they just destroyed it. And everyone's like, all right, you couldn't, Mm -hmm. told us that or something i was i was more enthralled with huck screaming yeah than what like the actual weight of what was happening <laughs> yeah we were like wow they blew up five planets but then it's like no no no, they killed the government they yeah. killed the whole government um so I'm, I'm really hoping that out of this they kind of strengthen that uh quality of the sequels that would uh 
really have been helpful watching them kind of telling us like yeah things were good after the return of the jedi they had a party but like they had stuff that they still had to do after that like the next morning after that campfire at the ewok village like they had to set up a government they had to hunt down the rest of the imperials that were out there and like um it, it seems a lot like um that's the direction they, that this is headed this corner of the star wars galaxy um and so the new republic popping up all around um kind of being space cops saying we're we're looking for imperial remnants kind of hiring cara dune as kind of uh not a new republic employee but kind of like a um kind of like a ranger <laughs> rangers of the new republic mm -hmm. like uh like she she's just kind of a like a freelancer almost for the new republic she's not really with them she probably doesn't have like a, a new republic paycheck or anything but she like is in communication with them and she they have the same goals um so seeing them go that direction by including so much in the new republic and just seeing like x-wings flying around and like that chase scene in episode two uh, where they try to pull them over and then they shoot the spiders at the end like that stuff is just so cool but also says like we're taking the show in a direction that i was really hoping it would yeah okay so um next i would just say like generally them bringing back these kind of legacy characters like ahsoka and boba fett and bo katan um and not just bringing them back but like i was a little worried like kind of like before the season started there were so many rumors flying around and i was like yeah like it'd be cool but i don't want it to become like the cameo show like mm -hmm. um and so i feel like they managed to introduce these characters in a way to where it didn't seem like they were just shoehorning as many uh kind of nostalgia trips in as possible um but rather like setting up a story where these characters being introduced like will make sense and especially the fact that we now know what a lot of these interconnected shows are um and they almost all pertain to characters introduced again i'm like okay this makes a lot of sense it, it seemed very natural uh, most of the time so yeah that was <laughs> i'm just i'm glad that it was done correctly <laughs> um and so i liked it mm -hmm. Yeah, mine is very similar. Um, Ahsoka and Bo-Katan becoming live action is my number four. Um, like, it was great to see Boba Fett and Luke also, um, because, like, just bringing back those characters uh, was great. But also, um, just Ahsoka and Bo-Katan becoming live action, just, like, it validated Rebels and the Clone Wars more than I think... Um, they ever have been before like obviously they had ahsoka and kanan's voice at the end of rise of skywalker with all those jedi but like if you didn't know that that's what that was like it probably wouldn't have been like oh i should watch rebels and clone wars now because i heard a disembodied voice that, mm -hmm. that i wouldn't recognize because i haven't watched the show 
but seeing the characters here and then kind of everyone saying, oh, they're from the Clone Wars and Rebels. Like anyone who didn't watch those shows now has kind of like a frame of reference. Like, oh, Ahsoka's crazy. Like she's awesome. I should probably go watch um, the Clone Wars now because of um, like she's getting her own show and she was in this and I loved it. I should probably go back and watch that before that other show comes out. And then Bo-Katan coming in Rebels, that easily people could have been like, oh, it's another Mandalorian. But everyone was like, it's Bo-Katan. And then the whole conflict with her and the Darksaber is like straight from Rebels. So it's like, go watch Clone Wars because she's in that. And that's great. But also like watch Rebels because that whole, like the whole setup to her Mm -hmm. conflict from going forward is because of Rebels, basically. So just... Like, it was great having the other characters show up, but, like, something about just those two characters specifically being in live action was um, just really validating to uh, the animated shows, which don't get as much kind of um, viewership, probably, as Mandalorian or the movies. So that was, re- that, was, that was really cool. So next I have, and this is a big one. I, I don't really have them in any particular order but this might be the best is obviously in season one the undisputed star of the show was Mm -hmm. baby yoda you know all it took was one look at him from the first episode and um the internet has not shut up about him since yeah um people who don't even aren't even really on the internet people who don't even care about star wars love him Mm -hmm. um and I think there's a lot to be said just about kind of like the charm that Star Wars and practical effects has. So that there's that. But um, going into season two, um, I expected more of the same. You know, I expect I certainly did not expect Grogu to be gone by the end of the show. Yeah. Um, that was bold. But um, they didn't. He wasn't just cute anymore. You know what I mean? Like. Um, he had a, and it feels weird to talk about like a baby, like, but like (laughs) he had a character arc almost like he was like the whole thing with like the eggs and kind of not under, just not understanding really, I guess. Um, and then like later kind of like learning about life. It was so weird. I was Mm -hmm. like, he's a baby and he's like learning about life and death (laughs) and, um, then, like, seeing, like, this kind of father-son relationship between him and Din kind of foster, like, the fact they, they like, sleep in the same bunk and, um, you know, Din occasionally has to, like, scold him and stuff. And then they, like, um, seeing, like, once they learn about Grogu's kind of past, I thought that was very, very bold for them to, like, give him a name and talk about his past, like, where he comes from. Seeing um his little reactions to his name kind of um and kind of like this whole thing where um ever since he was tasked with returning Grogu to his kind like there's kind of been this elephant in the room of look like if we find where you're supposed to go like you'll have to leave and so it there's this grand character arc that he has and they did not have to really do that I don't <laughs> think like they didn't have to um, break my heart like that but 
yeah, it was probably like the highlight of the season for me, like this whole relationship between Din and Grogu. Um, and like how so much emotion can be conveyed mm-hmm. just through like one little um, kind of like fixed ball, like for like a lever kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? So, yeah. Yeah, my my uh, number three is uh, the appearance of Luke Skywalker. And there's just so much like that's great about this. Like having Mark Hamill show up, having him do like a cool action scene. Um, the CGI actually looking pretty great for, uh, like, compared to, like, the Rogue One CGI or the um, Rise of Skywalker CGI. Like, it it looks uh, just so good. Um, And I would love to know, like, the process of doing that. Um, The fact that it wasn't leaked when, like, every other casting was leaked. Mm. <laughs> like, Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan, um, Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka, Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett. Like, all that was leaked. Um, but Luke was not leaked, which is crazy. Um, and we kind of speculated that they didn't have, like, as many people on set that day to try to keep it a secret. But um, it, that definitely worked. I think my favorite part of the whole Luke Skywalker bit was um, kind of what it said about Luke that we kind of haven't gotten before. Like we've seen Luke fight and do crazy cool force stuff. So the fight scene was really fun, but um, I think what's more memorable is kind of everyone's reaction to him from Moff Gideon being absolutely terrified because he knows what a Jedi can do to kind of um, like Grogu's recognition of his uh, like what would essentially be like a brother in the force kind of uh, and like touching the screen mm. and like how you just talked about him having to leave leave Din and that, their emotional farewell um, and like just Luke, it being Luke, it being Luke Skywalker, like if it was any other Jedi, it would be like, oh, come on, this Jedi just showed up and took away Grogu. Like if it was Ezra, there'd be people that'd be like, who the heck is this guy? He's just going to go with this guy that he doesn't mm-hmm. know. But since it's Luke, everyone's like, oh yeah, that makes so much sense. And then it, it, it doesn't take away from that emotion of them saying goodbye as much, which is strange because you'd think like, it being Luke would be like the most distracting thing ever. But if it was some other Jedi, you'd be like, what, who is this guy? Um, and I think just like, it, it was so like what the line he said, it was uh, like, um, I'll protect him with my life or whatever. Um, it definitely like, I've, I've seen people using this as kind of a, Haha, gotcha, Disney, gotcha sequels, even though Disney made The Mandalorian. But they're like, this is the real Luke Skywalker. Um, and then he says a line like, I'll protect him with my life. And then you're like, all right, he doesn't do that, obviously. Like, everyone of the Jedi Temple dies. So it just kind of strengthens, like, the past Luke. It's like, this is what Luke became. This yeah. was like Luke. Um, this, is, this is the Luke that, like, was the peak yeah. Luke. And then... It also shows, like, this is as high as he got. Look how high everyone holds him in, like, a cl- like everyone holds yeah. him to this standard. 
and like that's it's impossible for him to live up to that so it strengthens kind of yeah the more that and also strengthens the original i've thought about luke more in the past month than i have in my entire (laughs) life i wrote a whole project about luke um in his span in the five movies he appears in six if you count revenge of the sith (laughs) but i didn't count revenge of the sith um (laughs) but yeah the more like the more legendary that luke skywalker is and the more people are like see like this is who luke is he would never do what he did in the last jedi i was like you're right he never would do that and that makes it all the more gutting that he did do it doesn't (laughs) it like like the more you say that the more impactful that is Mm -hmm. um and i think oh man i like like i said i've been thinking about his entire character a lot and it just works. I don't know what else to say. It works, yeah. and it works beautifully. Um, yeah, Luke was my number four, too. So you said a lot of what I wanted to say, and I also got some of my bits in. So mm-hmm. you, um, I'll say my fifth. No, you, you say another one. Okay. I'm down to one. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, just Luke was definitely a highlight for everyone. And don't use it to kind of trash something that you don't like, I guess, because it doesn't actually dunk on Ryan Johnson <laughs> as much as you think it might. Um, um, but anyways, really just a great moment and uh, really like the pinnacle of what um, this time period could have been, I guess. Up till now, I'm sure it'll get crazier, but like mm-hmm. just the peak of uh, modern Star Wars, I think. Um so my number two was the return of Boba Fett and uh, the Rodriguez connection, which I've spoken a lot about, so I'll be quick. But Boba Fett is one of those characters that like people have wanted him to come back since Legends, where he did come back. Um, I think bringing him back, but also giving him kind of a code to live by, not just turning him into like that remorseless, cold killer. Um, actually giving him kind of character and honor um, is something that I think was the best direction to take him in. If he was just like a cold, like no nonsense killer, it wouldn't have been nearly as interesting as it was, but you see him kind of um, like paint his armor and it's kind of, he's, he's not as like rugged and weird, like wary as he was then, even though physically he is, he's got like a new purpose or a new kind of outlook or a new kind of, element to him that we hadn't seen before um and i've said so many times how perfect robert rodriguez is for this job and i don't think i need to say it again so uh you go with your number one because we have like 10 minutes okay. left <laughs> so my number one this might be a little anticlimactic because i didn't put these in order of best to worst but all i, I what i wrote down is Cobb van enough said <laughs> like um i don't know seeing like such a a prestigious actor as Timothy Oliphant come in and um, he does kind of like the Western guy so well, you know what I mean? Um, He just like, like his, his whole design is like very just cool looking. Mm -hmm. Like he has like the Boba Fett armor atop of like, like Like a red sweater. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so cool. And, um, like I said, that whole episode is like kind of like itself, like a self-contained Western 
story and he very much feels like this kind of um like i am the law kind of like gunslinger character that you'd see in like one of the those older western films um we had kind of talked and like very lightly theorized like maybe just a little small like dusting of a theory about maybe <laughs> Cobb Vamp uh making his appearance so um I was both surprised and extremely validated that he made an appearance. <laughs> um, and I, there's just this awesome scene where it like flashes back to like them in a bar, like celebrating like the destruction of the second Death Star. And then like a meet, he has like a cool line. He was like, it's like power hates a vacuum or mm -hmm. something. And someone like rolled up to town. The I think next it was day. like the mining guild or something. Yeah. It, oh man. He's just so cool. That whole episode was cool. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he, honestly, I hadn't thought about this yet before. He could show up in the book of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I certainly hope we see him at least one other time in yeah, I think live it, action. I think if you're bringing in Timothy Oliphant, he's not like... Um, uh, Shoot, he's not like um, he's not like Brad Pitt or anything. Yeah, no, like, it's not like it's not like if you had a like if you you can have like a huge character show up as just like a cameo kind of. He doesn't feel like he's that huge of an actor that he would do a cameo in it. Like it feels like if they cast him, he's like the perfect, I think, um, knownness as an actor to kind of deserve a few appearances as like a smaller character mm -hmm. rather than just like a random cameo like i feel like kind of lesser known and like major known people are the guys that get cameos like daniel craig as a stormtrooper in um the force awakens or whatever and then you also have like random comedians that like you might recognize from something else in little cameos, like John Leguizamo in like one episode. Mm -hmm. It feels like Timothy Oliphant, like he could be just in one episode, but I think he's the perfect kind of uh, fame or whatever to like be in this a few more times. Like I would love to see him come back. And I think he's like, he's the perfect kind of guy to, to come back several times. He's not my number one. Um, my number one is uh, the music. Um, How Vance is great, but the music was incredible. Uh, like Ludwig Gordonson for season one did a great score. So for season two, it was like, how are we going to, is it just going to be the same music? How is it going to be different? And what's great about season two is so many like, of John Williams themes are woven into it. Like the resistance theme when the new Republic, uh, shows up and, uh, Snoke's theme in the, in the lab and, um, the, the star Wars theme when Luke comes in and takes Grogu for his mm -hmm. training. Like, I'm sure there's other instances, but there's just like so many, great cues and even like the new songs like the um uh the 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 opening the fight scene at the opening of the marshal where he's in that kind of gamorian fighting pit with mm -hmm. uh gore koresh um and it's like that electric guitar and it's like 
And then there's like that pause. And then it's like the same little riff, but like a note or two lower or whatever. And uh, like, that's just really great. And then like the ship, it's like that same, it's like this one little montage. Like there's the fight scene and then it like kind of quiets down when he interrogates Gore Korash for like a minute or so. And then the next thing it like does a swipe or something. And then um, the Razor Crest is flying towards Tatooine and it's the dun 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 dun. And it's just, it has like a feeling of like grandiosity. And then um, like the Ahsoka music having that light, very similar to like the Yoda theme. It might actually have, was the Yoda theme, Yoda in the Force, was that in there partly? I think maybe. I don't know. Um, I need to go back and watch that one. That's under. But, um, then having like a friend and the dark trooper music and like mm-hmm. it was there was just so many great like callbacks but also like new original music like uh, the more people listen to a friend like that one i could see becoming kind of yeah a, like a new classic yeah Star a Wars lot thing. a lot of these things have found their way into the the pantheon of legendary star wars music mm-hmm. i feel like and um like obviously in season one, probably the the highlights were um, the the intro music, and that gets in my head mm-hmm. all the time. But I just love like the electric kind of whining. Yeah, the... I like. Uh, I love. I love. I love in the little flashback when Dim's a child and then the Death Watch guy like lands in front of him. Like I the, think it's that guitar there too, yeah. Well, it's like the same yeah. do-do-do-do-do-do, but it's like, it's in a different key, so it's mm-hmm. higher, and it's like, um, and it's an electric guitar. Yeah. And it's just so awesome. Yeah, like, this, I don't know. The score, it can go from like an electric guitar to like a cinematic fanfare to like a little bit hip hoppy. Yeah, and it's like, like this thing can... jumps all over the place, but it all feels very Star Wars. Yeah. Um. Man. And the <laughs> I've seen a lot of memes and TikToks w- using the Dark Trooper kind of music. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so awesome. Like, like techno-y. Like yeah. it, it just transcends like genre. Yeah. Just like feels for, like it's own for thing. like uh, a franchise that many would characterize as science fiction like there's not that much tech music like mm-hmm. it was a very when star wars was first created is a very bold choice to have it um classically orchestrated mm-hmm. <laughs> um for Rather the type like of for the type of movie it was um but it just seemed normal because it was like more of like um an opera yeah it was yeah. uh it just lent itself more to that in the in the overall vision and now it feels weird having techno music Mm -hmm. in a thing where you think that might make the most sense Mm -hmm. like like you think star wars and you think of like technology and stuff you're like yeah that makes sense but then you hear the dark trooper theme and you're just like what is this This is weird like it stands out just Mm -hmm. by merit of being so wildly different than anything else Mm -hmm. seen before and uh as far as the the theme a friend that is like reality bending type music. Mm-hmm. Like when I was like in a different type of headspace when that for when I first heard that. So uh, that was just legendary. Yeah, um, really great. Um, just the music. Like Ludwig deserves every Emmy. I think. <laughs> yeah. So that was our our episode. Um, 
break down our favorite things about uh, Mandalorian season two. Um, yeah, so like I said at the at the at the at the top of this episode, we don't know kind of what we're gonna be doing for a series if we're gonna get one. Hopefully, they're gonna announce a date for the Bad Batch soon, um, and then we'll probably end up doing kind of the similar um, Monday uh, Bad Batch episode. Um, like we're doing the Mandalorian Mondays, but it won't be called Bad Batch Monday or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, as soon as Carson reads The Light of the Jedi, we will do a spoilery review of what it. What do you mean? We still have to talk about <laughs> Catalyst and Ahsoka. <laughs> well, yeah, well. <laughs> Hopefully by the beginning of February, we'll have that done. Maybe we'll do a triple book episode. <laughs> Maybe, we'll see. Um, I finished the book. I can give you my review right now. Five stars. Wonderful. Absolutely great. Loading Great Storm might be my new favorite Jedi. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, as soon as he gets that done, we will uh, do that. And and for books, I feel like the spoiler zone, kind of for like TV shows, it's usually uh, they, if they come out on a Friday, that Monday is when you can really, is when it's kind of acceptable to talk about spoilers. For books, it might be a little longer because everyone reads at a different pace. Not everyone gets their books on time. I know um, sometimes like I've ordered a book and it hasn't shipped or the date it said it would get here. It doesn't get there until like a week later. So, um, well, usually those kind of discussions are either watch at your own risk or put off until like a month or a few weeks have passed. So we're probably going to do um, closer to a month uh, after the book comes out. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening to Mandalorian Mondays. We really appreciate it. Um, it was very fun to do. Um, and it definitely it ended up taking priority over our regular episodes. So also, I apologize if the audio for this episode sounds really weird. When we did our second recording, I'm not sure if I remembered to select the microphone or my laptop. <laughs> so, half of this episode could end up being different quality audio. Yeah, but that's on me, so um, hey, you're here for the experience, and that is part of it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back with more episodes in the future, so look forward to that, and um, Dank Farrick? No. What? <laughs> what? This is the way? Yeah. Yeah. What? This is the way. All right. Well, Keep. Maybe we'll see you December of 2021. We might return Mando Monday to Book of Boba Fett, but if not, then it'll be a while. So, very emotional. Who knows? We'll, we'll definitely have episodes for Visions and yeah. books and uh, Bad Batch. So, uh, yeah, future is very bright, um, but this is the way. This is the end for Mandalorian Mondays uh, for now. Thank you for listening to Lando's Lounge. Lando's Lounge can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing us with a friend or rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. To engage with us on social media, follow at Lando's Lounge Podcast on Instagram and like and follow the Lando's Lounge page on Facebook. To ask a question for our Q&A segment, The Carbon Freeze, 
Engage with us in comment sections or shoot us a DM for the possibility of your question being featured. The intro music to this podcast is Star Wars Cantina Band Closed on Sunday Lo-Fi Remix. Thank you again for listening and tune in to the next episode.